All right. Welcome back to the Green Mountain Sports Roundup. I am Ernesto Sanchez. I'm here with Marty Griffin and John Downing, and we're here to give you a quick roundup of this week in sports. Popping a little bubbly, I see. Oh, yes. Stop shaking. That could be any one of us. <laughs> That's the point of the booze, to help you stop shaking. All right. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Here's, Happy 50th. Cheers to uh, 50 Silver. more. Welcome, mm. everybody, to the show. This is a eight-hour segment of our top moments of all 50 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Sit back and relax. Jesus. <laughs> That sounds dreadful. It is our 50th episode. We do have uh, a lot to get into, uh, but real quick before we get going, uh, how's the week been, boys? Slow, long, boring. Oh, no DFS for the John. Yeah. It's it's good, though, because it's needed, but when you're in the routine of doing something every day, something that you rely on, it's like, you're used to it, and then as soon as like Friday came, which was the first day without DFS, it was like, oh, shit. So what am I going to do at 7 o'clock tonight? <laughs> and now, but now, like, I'm, I'm okay, you know, it's been a few days now, it's Tuesday, NBA's back in a couple days, I've been doing a little bit NHL to very little success, um, I played a little XFL the other day. Oh, you know it's getting... I'm just throwing a few dollars here and I there at it. You just... played a little XFL? Yeah. I, like I won a little on DraftKings, like lost that. on FanDuel. Um, I watched the whole XFL game. I didn't watch any of it, but... I watched the Renegades and the Wildcats, I guess, Dallas and Los Was that Angeles. the game that was 3-3 in the fourth quarter? So anyway, no, I mean, the half. what I'm saying is it's good to get this break because it only really happens, you only get this long once once a year. Like, there's the All-Star break for baseball, which is uh, three or four days, but you, you get almost a full week right now, which is nice to take advantage of. And I know Christina appreciates it, you know, you can help in the kitchen while she's making dinner and stuff like that, so... Um, you know, we were able to have kids over this weekend on Saturday night and, you know, spend, spend time on Sunday and not have to worry about any of that other stuff. But uh, once Thursday comes, back, back to into business. it. Oh boy. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Marty, you want to kick us off with our number 50s? Ooh. Ooh. Well, I can't. I've been waiting to do this one for a while. Uh, San Antonio Spurs fan, so obviously I'm going with the Admiral. David Robinson, I say this all the time, but a lot of people, probably one of my favorite basketball players of all time. I grew up in an era when it was Tim Duncan, um, David Robinson, Mario Ellie, Robert Ory, all these just phenomenal players when the Spurs were like in their heyday, in their moment, I guess you'd almost say like the run, like Patriots, Johnny, like, like they had. Nah, you're older than that. I remember, you, you go back further than that. Yeah. Uh, I remember 1989, David Robinson, first overall pick, having his rookie card was similar to having Ken Griffey's rookie card at the time. Right, right, you know? absolutely. Uh, born in, in a Navy family, uh, his senior year of high school is when he really just actually started playing. He was 6'6", uh, 175 pounds, uh, didn't really do a lot of camps or any of that, but he's an instant uh, All-American, All-District out of uh, Virginia. Overall... Didn't really look to go to play basketball, but he signed in with the Naval Academy. Uh, Nesto, you'll like this. He was, uh, his SAT score was 1320. Oh. Yeah. Really? Mathematics. That was, uh, that was my SAT score. <laughs> yeah. Squared. 
Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, he, he entered at 6'6", like I said, in the Naval Academy. Uh, he was given a waiver because I, I think the top height is 6'4". If you want to be a midshipman and like be on a submarine. Oh, wow. Um, I never even thought about that. Yeah. So huh. he played in his two years. Over his two years, he grew seven more inches and was 7'1". So he's given exemption again to not serve his one year with the Naval Academy on a submarine, but do it in a civil engineer corps uh, as instead. Um, but went on to be, like um, Johnny said, drafted 89. Uh, had an amazing career. Two-time NBA champion, 99-2003. NBA most, most valuable player in 95. 10-time NBA All-Star. Four-time All-Star NBA first team. Uh, the list goes on. NBA Defensive Player of the Year in 92. Uh, just played phenomenal on both ends of the court, uh, offense and defense, and probably Tim Duncan couldn't ask for a better mentor coming up in the league. Um, just his level of intelligence Basketball intelligence is super high as well, and no doubt when you add Mario Ellie and, and Robert Ori and, and the likes of those guys with Greg Popovich that you're not going to spit out a few championships over the course of a decade, which they did. But, uh, yeah, my number 50, David Robinson. All right. One of the best walk-offs in sports, winning the NBA championship on Father's Day. Yeah. Didn't even think about that. Well played. Yeah. Johnny? All right, so mine's appropriate after the big Mookie Betts talk last week. Uh, my number 50 is going to be Mookie Betts. <clears throat> Marcus Lynn Mookie Betts, born October 7th, 1992, is an American professional baseball right fielder for the Los Angeles Dodgers. That's right, Mookie Betts, Los Angeles Dodgers. Makes you sick, right? Ugh. Previously played for MLB uh, in, for the Boston Red Sox. In 2018, he became first player in MLB history to win the MVP, Silver Slugger, Gold Glove, Batting Title, and World Series in the same season. It's a good thing they traded him. He's from Nashville, Tennessee. Has career statistics of a batting average of 301 with 139 home runs, 470 RBIs, and 126 stolen bases. Uh, spent nine seasons in the Red Sox organization and... Uh, six at the big league level. He was a four-time All-Star, um, World Series champion in 2018, MVP 2018, three-time Silver Slugger, four-time Gold Glove Award winner. He was the Wilson's Defensive Player of the Year in 2016. Uh, like I said, he was the batting champion in 2018, member of the 30-30 club in 2018, hit for the cycle in 2018. And, uh, yeah, now you can watch him on the West Coast um, with ex-teammate... From the Red Sox, uh, David Price playing for the Dodgers, and you can no longer watch him playing for the Boston Red Sox because they decided they should trade him. I guess the only light at the end of the tunnel is that it's a lot of West Coast games, and I don't ever stay up that late for West Coast baseball. So, so you so you won't have to have it rubbed in your face. Not every night, at least. It's a good, valid point. Maybe that's what they were thinking. Get him out west, so we have to see him. <laughs> I mean, that's the worst when they do the road trips out there and you're up till nearly 1.30 in the morning. Yeah, well now it's even later baseball. than that, it seems like, because the games are just going longer and longer. I can get away with them basketball because the, the con, you know, constant action or even like football if it was that case. But like baseball just has long stretches where it's hard to stay awake, yeah. even if it's during the day. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm going to go next, and I think now is a good time as any to point out, as we like to periodically remind, that uh, these numbers are not necessarily meant to be who we think the best player to ever wear that number is, just who Im- impacted us and who we think of when we think of that number. So I'm going to go with Ryan Dean Shazier. Uh, he was born September 6th, 1992, which just kind of breaks your heart. He's such a young kid. Drafted 15th overall in the first round by the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2014 out of Ohio State, where he was a first-team All-American. And in his first two years, he showed a lot of promise, raw talent, um, but undersized guy. He seemed to take uh, a toll, missing a significant amount of time with knee injuries, uh, nerve damage in his shoulder, concussion, uh, and it seemed like just he could be a real game changer if he could just stay on the field. You'll recall in the AFC wildcard game against the Bengals, the one uh, featuring the attempted murder of Antonio Brown, he was the one who made the play on Jeremy Hill to strip the ball, uh, leading to a bunch of shenanigans and ultimately the winning field goal. Uh, his third year, he re-injured his knee again, uh, but he came back strong, intercepting Joe Flacco in a playoff-clinching victory against the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, he had six tackles and an interception in the wild card game against the Dolphins, and then five tackles and an interception in the divisional round game against the Chiefs. Uh, we don't need to talk about the rest of that year. 2017 was when I thought he he managed to stay on the field for you know all the way in, into December. Uh, so And he was playing really well, had his best statistical year to that point. He had slowed down a little bit, you know, he wasn't overrunning plays. Uh, it got a little maturity about him, a little patience, and you could really see he was developing into a very strong clutch player, even though he was undersized. Tragically, it all came crashing down on a Monday night in Cincinnati. Uh, he tackled Josh Malone, leading with his head. He was in immediate apparent distress, holding his back, waving his hands wildly. The hit left him seemingly unable to move his legs. It was later revealed that he had suffered a spinal contusion requiring surgery. Despite this, he was named to his second Pro Bowl and was ranked 47th by his peers on the NFL Top 100. On April 26, 2018, Shazier walked onto the AT&T Stadium stage with his wife, then fiance to announce the 28th pick of the NFL draft, uh, that pick being Terrell Edmonds. Just what a inspiring moment and one of the, I think, iconic moments of the draft going forward when people think about iconic moments mm-hmm. from the draft that will certainly be counted among them. By November 30th, he was jogging. On May 3rd, 2019, Shazier married Michelle Rodriguez, 17 months after suffering a spinal injury that doctors feared would leave him paralyzed, he was able to dance at his wedding. That's awesome. He remains on the Steelers roster, enjoying the full attention of the Steelers medical staff, qualifying years on his NFL pension. And as Kevin Colbert and Steelers GM said, as recently as last week, there is no ceiling and no timetable on the possibility of his returning. In 46 games played, he had 299 tackles, 202 of them unassisted, 7 sacks, 7 interceptions, 7 forced fumbles, and 3 fumble recoveries. Just one of those tragedies, those unfinished stories. It just leaves you wondering what could have been uh, if things 
had gone just a little differently for him. My number 50, Ryan Shazier. Hats off to that young man, for sure. Overcoming what he did. Yeah, you see those Instagram videos of him doing box jumps now? Mm -hmm. It's like, he's really serious about returning to the field. I think it's insane, but, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, just to put yourself in that position again, you know, he's got two kids and a wife, uh, but... That's that's his goals, and some some man remain some men remain driven beyond reason. So uh, kudos to him, and uh, just just so we don't have to leave on a sour note here with our number fifties, a special fiftieth episode edition of our numbers. It's a participation ribbon, basically. You know, <laughs> we don't want to leave him out. He didn't make, he didn't make the cut, but we don't want to leave him out. Go ahead, Marty. Uh, just Johnny and I were talking about like. Because we wanted to include him as uh, probably one of the best linebackers besides Lawrence Taylor, um, as far as looking back in history, like '80s and '90s of that that time period is Mike Singletary, uh, drafted from Baylor Bears, um, way back when I don't want to say '80, um, but this is a guy just probably Johnny in, in my mind. If you look back and watch like the old ESPN films and you talk about just tough grit football player. This was a those blood, eyes. Yeah, this was a, a guy born in the Buddy Ryan system. Is still, and this is a system that created the four three defense. Kind of changed the defensive game, like to let defense win games. This is truly like the definition of the Bears when you're talking about eighty three to eighty nine. That that whole team. Um, but this was a guy who was a Super Bowl champion. Uh, beat Johnny's New England Patriots. I still think of the iconic uh, William Perry going over the the goal line, the you know the big lineman, the fridge shooting over the line, and and just that that the character of that team, the Super Bowl shuffle, which is ridiculous. If you're young and never heard this song, being <laughs> uh, I want to see a funny video and just got to get a true taste of like how bad the '80s was. Go back and uh, look at the Super Bowl shuffle. That was that was god awful. Probably not their finest moment. Uh, but this was a guy, uh, NFL Man of the Year in 1990, uh, All Pro 83, 89, 91, 10-time Pro Bowler, NFC Player of the Year 84, 85, 88, uh, NFL 1980s All Decade Team, uh, true All American, um, and like I said, probably one of the, the baddest men to ever to wear the Bears jersey, Mike Singletary. I want winners. Oh, that rant. As a San Francisco head coach, which he he was interim, right? No, he at that time he was. No, he he, he started he, out as interim and then coach. Yeah, like he two became seasons. head coach. Yeah. But yeah, he started off pretty good. You know, it's a thing with coaches like that that have so much passion and attitude. Um, they start off well, and then you, you know that passion and attitude once it wanes a little players. bit, you can't keep it over the duration. That's why guys like Bill Bel- wow. Belichick, who are so monotone and just steady Eddie right. succeed over the long term. Is there any like fiery coaches like that in the league anymore? No. Tomlin, I guess, might be one of the last few. But Gruden, even Gruden's not. got a hot top. Well, now he's back, yeah. But, yeah, I'm trying to think of like the kind of fiery characters that kind of yeah, come into it. That's more about having this intelligent guys. Or worthless piece of shits that just clap on the sideline. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, let's um, <laughs> let's get right into football talk then. Uh, Johnny, where do we stand with Tom Watch? Uh, we got 30 days until free agency begins. 
Um, I still don't think he's going to return to the Patriots. I don't either. I just think, I think that it's a Belichick move. It'll... With the uh, the thirteen million dollar cap hit, if they were to pay him thirty million dollars a year, it's going to cost them for the next two years. It's going to cost them thirty seven and a half, thirty six and a half million dollars per year, and they just don't have the money to spend. Um, they can move the money around a little bit and try to make it work, but it'll prevent them from doing anything else. And more than anything else, I think that Belichick is kind of resigned to moving on. And I just, I know Brady wants the Patriots to improve the weaponry and the offense and get better players around him, but they really, it's going to take like an act of God to do that because they just don't have the financial flexibility to make the moves necessary to really improve the offense. And add to the throne of the fact that today the ESPN strength of schedule came out next year and the Patriots have the number one toughest strength of schedule going into next year. So lack of offensive weaponry, inability to pay pay the Brady what he wants, um, with the tough schedule, the strained relationship with Brady and Belichick. I mean, it just all leads to me that I think it's I think it's over. Well, being a head coach, I mean, Belichick definitely has more time than Brady, but I think Belichick wants the narrative to be that he doesn't want to be. He doesn't want to share complete, the legacy. Tied to him yeah. for all his accolades and, and wins and success. So I think for him, and, and not that he has an outwardly ego, but this is a coach who has won multiple championships and has built one of the best dynasties to ever exist. So he I has think an ego. He, so yeah, so I'm thinking like his ego is is that he can win without Brady, and he can and he won't be just veered like Brady made him or Belichick made Brady that there's going to be this the separation that he can kind of write his own story a little bit after Brady a little in half time. It, it might that. be a good thing if they split up honestly. Yeah. Because you as a Patriots fan, you got to want Belichick to pick the next quarterback and work with the next quarterback. You don't want to when Belichick leaves and Brady leaves say if they leave at the same time. You know the replacement head coach p- picking the replacement quarterback. I mean that that's just a disaster waiting to happen. Like the right. best case scenario for some kind of continued success for the next ten to fifteen years is Belichick getting the next quarterback and grooming him. Right. Like which was going to happen with Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, you know you'd like to see that kind of transition start to happen. The game has changed, too. I mean, with the protections of the quarterback and how the game is, is ref now, it's never meant that quarterbacks go this long with a tenured coach as well. Like, to have that kind of a length of career that Brady's had as well, like, it's just unknown. You know, it's, it's rare for a successful quarterback to be with that franchise, run that long, and, and have that many wins in, in championships. You just don't see it much anymore. TV 12 method, baby. Where are we thinking for potential landing spots? Well, I think the Raiders are definitely starting to establish themselves as a front runner. Murmurs of two years, $60 million, And I think this is a beauty. ESPN of- keeps putting out all the Raiders reports. Yeah. And John Gruden used to work for ESPN for 10 right. years. So I think he's feeding his people, people at ESPN saying, hey, we're going after this guy. But look beyond that. Um, is the how I mean? Say you make sixty million in two years. What he can make in money and extra endorsements being in Vegas for two years, well, and it, it's close it, to home. Well, you and you build that franchise up that much quicker, and you create that much more of a buzz that much quicker. And, and you know, in Vegas, I think it, I think it'd be a huge power move on their side as well. That plays and benefits both sides greatly. You need a you need a franchise face in a new market and. He's perfect for that. Oh my god! And that—have you seen him with that 
black and silver uniform on, holy smokes. He, Keep it in your that pants. That is John's, pants. John, John's sex, Jesus Christ. Sex material right wow. there. Put, put your dick away. It really wow. is. Like, it, the only, and you know what else looks really good too? Brady in the Cowboys uniform. Shut up. <laughs> it looks good. No. If Dak gives them a hard time. I gave time, enough praise for the last five minutes of this segment. Shut up. No. You wouldn't want Brady in Dallas no. for the next couple of years? No. All right, let's talk about what the other rumor is, though, John. How bad would it hurt to see him in red, white, and blue for the Giants? Oh, uh, I don't think he gets along with their head coach, Joe Judge. I've heard rumors of them not really digging each other because Joe all, Judge is kind of a hardo. Because our fits a coordinator, you know, Jason know, Garrett. Right, so Jason Garrett's the <laughs> offense coordinator, and you know who the quarterback's coach is? No. Freddie Kittens. No, it's not. Yes, I it is. So you, no, it's not. Though. you got Freddie Kittens, you got Jason Garrett, and Hardo Joe Judge as the head coach. Do you think he's going to the Giants? No, no way he's going to the Giants. How does Kittens get a job? How does he get a job? I don't know. It's Good with the Giants, Lord. though. Like, I can understand with Garrett thinking like he's on, been on Jerry Jones' puppet, springs, puppet springs, strings for so long that, you know, see how he performs. I still think he's a good offensive mind, but... For kittens to get signed after this abysmal year, to just like leave him in charge of two or three guys at quarterback. Pull off as a coach, but yeah, could you see Brady working with Freddie Kittens? Hell no, no. And Jason Garrett? Hell no. Yeah, sorry, the Giants. That's on that. San Diego's already come out that they're gonna just compete with their backups down there. San Diego, the Chargers. Yeah, I just say San Diego. (laughs) San Diego. All right, so Virginia. Where does Phil go? Where do, where does Phil and his Who said he goes to the Colts? Some, oh Melvin Gordon said he thinks he's going to the Colts. Nine no. children. Where are they headed? Tampa Bay. Yeah, that's yeah, you Bruce, know what? Bruce Maybe Tampa. Bruce that's a good Arians. Call. Yeah. He he revived Carson Palmer's career a little bit. He he works great with older quarterbacks. Tampa Bay I I think is a good fit. Uh, that receiving core is dirty. It's absolutely filthy. So I think he can just be the gunslinger they want, but I, I think you're trading almost the same quarterback for the same quarterback. It was just reckless abandonment when they start throwing the ball and flinging it everywhere. Right. Another guy who's unable to win big games. Great. Yeah. But it, it changes the you know it changes their scope a little bit. Brings a little bit more expensive. Maybe wins back the offensive side of the ball. I don't know. I just don't know where Winston set with the team and how he was. He, was he just got LASIK eye surgery though. <laughs> he did. Good for him. So maybe All that right. thirty interceptions goes down to twenty <laughs> next year. If he has an amazing year, that'd be a hell of an endorsement right there for, Seriously. for, for LASIK surgery. Um where does Cam land? Oh. I think it would be interesting if Brady went to Carolina and Cam went to like Chicago. They have been talking about Chicago. There has been talk about that. There's been talking about Winston going to Chicago as well. Or I could see him Cam going to the Chargers too. I don't know. There's going to be a big old round of musical chairs well, it here. It seemed at like the first domino kind of, one of the fell today, though. Years about free because Drew Brees announced he's coming back and he said, let's go for another ride, yeah. Saints. So it sounds like the first domino fell today, and that's Brees back to the Saints. So where's Bridgewater going? Which is not shocking. Because he doesn't want to stick around and no, play Bridgewater, second. Fiddle. So Bridgewater's going to go somewhere. Bridgewater and Winston can easily, can come, see, easily come in where a quarterback is currently struggling. I can see Bridgewater will look like to Chicago. behind a Jacoby Brissett. And I can see. But he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to be behind anybody. No, anymore. he's still going to go for the starting. I know, but like I think he'd win that over. I could see Bridgewater quickly. going to Miami or something. I don't want to see him. Miami. That's where he's I just from. don't want to see good people I like go to Miami just to die. 
But also, you got to think about Titans. I can see Bridgewater going to Titans. What? After the season Tannehill had? No way that they don't... That was a half a season, and that was... Yeah, but he's going to have the keys to the kingdom. running like a freight train. They have to pay Derrick Henry, first and foremost, and he's going to cost a fortune. As he should, but, you know, this is still, you know, Tannehill, like, not throwing over... Ten receptions for a hundred yards in a, in a playoff game. If it, what they didn't play in Tennessee, I could see Brady going to that team and working with Vrabel. But I just don't see Giselle and Tom Brady going to Tennessee. Yeah. Do you? No. To live in Tennessee, Nashville. No. He wears Uggs down there. Get picked on a little bit. I don't bit. see it. <coughs> I don't see it. I see him going to Vegas or L.A. or Miami. Or a, a big city, you know. L.A. would be another interesting, too, because I'm not certain. I think Goff is on uh, very, very thin ice at this point as well. So, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of teams in my head right now that are struggling. I mean, it, we see how this whole thing plays out with Dak, too. This could be something where Bridgewater lands there. I wouldn't mind seeing that, but they're going to have to pay the money. that they You're going to not pay Dak and, and pay just a little under for somebody else? And if they franchise Dak. Would Brady want to work did, with Mike McCarthy? Dak, I don't sign with the Cowboys. I'm sorry. Would Brady want to work with McCarthy? No, maybe. Especially because you know, I'm sure Brady will talk to Aaron Rodgers, and Rodgers will not give McCarthy a ringing endorsement. So I don't, no. I don't, I don't see that. I don't know. All right. Uh, Greg Olson signed to, was the first free agent signing today. He signed uh, to be tight end next year with the Seattle Seahawks, uh, one year deal. He visited Buffalo, he visited Washington, he visited Seattle, and he ended up, ended up choosing Seattle. I think that out of those teams, he made the right choice. Do you agree? I do. I think that's a good fit. I do. Greg, mm-hmm. o- Greg Olson with Russell Wilson. That's another, that's another team to mention for a quarterback position, too, because they, they like to spend their money and waste it here and there, is the Redskins. That's true. That's true. I don't even think about them. Iconic franchise. Yeah, that needs something to needs change something very good. quickly. Yeah. And Snyder and Snyder likes to throw money around like he just wasted. It. It's like he's printing his own his own money down there. Uh, no, no. Well, we are thirty days away from finding out. We'll, we'll start finding out the trickle amounts uh, events a few days in advance because the legal tampering begins on March sixteenth. Even though they're, <laughs> yeah. they're tampering now, right? So we'll start to get stuff, yeah. you know, in roughly four weeks. Okay. It's, it's kind of like. That part of the year where you're just leaning towards things you want to start happening. Got spring training. It gets busy soon. Draft, absolutely. I'm waiting, just on, I'm waiting on the Masters, April. Yeah, we got baseball coming, then you're going to have NBA and NHL playoffs, some March Madness first, and it gets busy real soon. That's something that I got to do Sunday and haven't done in a while. I sit and watch the whole round of golf for four hours on the couch. Nice. <laughs> Genesis Open. Watch Tiger shoot like an eight under. Not eight over, excuse me. Not eight and under. Eight <clears throat> did, did, did you see that uh, one shot that I sent you where he... Oh, yeah. Second he's, bunker shot. He's Yeah, he's in he's in the bunker. He duffs it. Doesn't make it out of, out of the bunker. And then just holes the next right. shot out of the bunker. That's what it's you're like, following him for. He's that icon. He's How bad is that? You're shooting eight over and you still got the biggest gallery following you, over, following you around on the last day. How does it make you feel if you're the McElroys or the uh, Kepkas of, of the group? <laughs> Guy's a stud. All right, I think this is as good a time as any to get into one of our clips of the week. I'll hit us with it now. These are Mike Tomlin's comments. First take with... What's that guy's name? Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Smith. 
Here it is. What was your reaction to Miles Garrett's uh, accusation against your quarterback? The most recent one this past weekend, uh, I, I took offense to it, to be quite honest with you. Uh, when it first transpired during the season, we don't have a lot of time to pause and fight battles of that nature. We said our piece. We were completely cooperative with all parties involved, the Cleveland Brown organization and the National Football League office. And then we had to move on. We, we had another game awaiting us, and we wanted to be singularly focused. But when these allegations returned uh, this past weekend, uh, I thought it was appropriate uh, that Mason is properly uh, defended. Um, it was a thorough investigation done by us and the National Football League. I don't think that that was represented during that piece. Um, these accusations are serious, uh, not only in terms of um, Mason Rudolph's character, but uh, his professional pursuits. Um, nobody on that field, uh, as a member of the Cleveland Browns or the Pittsburgh Steelers, corroborated what was said by Miles Garrett. That was founded by us and the National Football League. And at no point uh, during that piece this weekend, that was stated. Myself, personally, I was on the field immediately after that altercation and subsequently after the game. I got a lot of personal relationships within that organization over there in Cleveland. At no point did anyone within that organization come forward and say, Mike, heads up, we got a situation here or something of that nature that you would expect that comes with those type of uh, allegations. So I fully support Mason Rudolph. We as an organization fully support Mason Rudolph. And to be quite uh, uh, honest with you, uh, we were hacked off with what we saw this weekend, not specifically from Miles Garrett. Um, he's been in the lane that he's in, but what was displayed by ESPN in that panel, the way that the situation was presented, I don't think was fair to Mason Rudolph, and that's why I'm here today. Okay, and we're back. Uh, Tomlin did not mince words there at all, um, and we talked about this right when this first happened. Miles Garrett, little sour grapes here, just from anything that I can see, there is no evidence to suggest that there's any validity to this whatsoever on on either side of the ball there. Nobody is coming to Miles Garrett's defense here and corroborating his story. First of all, he was just reinstated, uh, was it two weeks ago? And for his actions to only receive a six-game suspension, I personally Stupid. find... Just it happens in the beginning, if this happens in the beginning of the year, he's he's suspended for the whole year of the football season. It's a it's a complete cop out. I I thought it, he'd at least do. I'd be happy if he did three or four more games at the beginning of the season this year. Still let him come back and be an impact if you if you want to sign him and take on a piece of shit like him. But he sounds like the biggest scumbag too. Like he's just the guy freaking protecting mouth, dude. his ass. Who's intelligent enough to read his lawyer's script and his agent's script and, and just try to stay relevant and he's got bad people behind him and he's a bad person himself and ESPN I agree and Tomlin a little bit I, they should be ashamed for giving him this this much airtime. but like we said we're talking off the air that uh, you know ESPN is an entertainment station so this is this boot you know keeps their ratings up as well it's good TV and the aspect of, you know, it's almost like gossip TV. It's just... Right. Yeah, it's awful. that's what it is. Clickbait. Yep. Tomlin also had some words in that interview about Antonio Brown. And he said uh, when he was asked if there was any potential for uh, Antonio to, to join the team, he's done some 
uh, mea culpa and, you know, tried to repair some of the relationships and fires, put out some of the fires he's set uh, in the last year and a half. And Tomlin said, I'll say this, once a stealer, always a stealer. We had great success over the course of nine plus years with Antonio. We're always going to be interested in his growth and development as a man, and we'll be open to assisting him in that, but we have no current business interest at this time. I gotta say, this whole last year, uh, watching Mike Tomlin work has been really enheartening, because I I gotta admit, I was down on him. You guys have all heard it here. Uh, We're all down on him. And, but I, I think he's really redeemed himself over this last season in the way he's handled. Now that we see what a nightmare Antonio Brown is for him to have kept a lid on it. Though. Yeah, and to have kept a lid on it as much as he did and get as much as he did out of them uh, really shows a lot of competence and um, determination on his part. And then also... Uh, you know, taking a team with no Ben Roethlisberger, no Juju Smith-Schuster for lots of the time, two very underqualified uh, quarterbacks, yeah, and, and coming out on the other side with an eight and eight team, um, you got to give him a lot of credit. And the way he's handling this situation, you got to give him a lot of credit. I so. give him credit for the fact that this is a team that, like you said, no Antonio Brown, no Roethlisberger, so. You know, the leaders of that team are gone, but also those leaders also create drama and also, you know, want to take the ball in their own hands, you know, and and make and choose their own destiny. Roethlisberger has that Aaron Rodgers thing where, like, he's just going to, you know, change the play right in the huddle or or right at the line and try to negate the call and and create his own situation. So I think this. And I think this is a situation where he had a young team, Nesto, and he had players actually looking at their coach for guidance and looking to be coached and and looking and hungry to want to compete and still compete with what they had this year and be relevant. So I think Tomlin was, you know, you're talking about, I think he at that point was seen, uh, you know, and looked upon his his players to to guide him, and and he just got rejuvenated and want to be that coach again. Mm Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Okay, so one last thing in NFL news. Marty got something out of Philly. Yeah, just interesting to think that Peterson is uh, that organization is not going to fill offensive coordinator position that he's going to be head coach and, and and make make the play calls this year. I don't I don't know. I, I thought this was a team again that struggled uh, figuring out their identity offensively this past year, and maybe wants Johnny to maybe take that on and and. Try to lead the team. I don't know if there's an ego move that just on his part. Like a, or... That sounds like a lose-lose to me because if you suffer on the defensive side of the ball, then people are going to be like, what the fuck? You are the head coach. You need to be able to uh, pay attention to the entire team, not just the offensive side of the ball. And yeah, so but they have that hard OX Lions coach as the defensive coordinator. What the hell is his name? Yeah, but the buck stops with the, with with the coach. So yeah, if there's Peterson issues was there, was an offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach, all growing up, and called plays for Andy Reid for the Chiefs for all those years, and then you know, I think that I think it's actually man, we're talking way more way more about this than I ever thought we would. So yeah. I, I think that it's a good move. Hey Alexa, who is the Philadelphia Eagles defensive coordinator? <laughs> oh my god! Here's something I found on the web, according to Reuters.com. 
the Detroit Lions tabbed Philadelphia Eagles defensive backs coach Corey Umlin to serve as their defensive coordinator, according to multiple reports Monday. Jim Schwartz. <laughs> that dude is the biggest hardo. Oh, that's so... You're just, oh, that's so funny. That just uh, happened. We, wow. we just did that. All right. Good times. <laughs> I don't even know where to go from here. I, think I just think he's putting his head on the chopping block. Seriously, he's really sticking his neck out. I'm laughing so. All right, in in lieu of that disaster. <laughs> well, no, the defensive coordinator was a head coach for a long time, and he's been there for a while. He can handle it on his own. That's what I'm saying. Okay. All right. All right. In lieu of that disaster, uh, let's get into our next clip of the week of this disaster. All right, just like last week, we're gonna listen to it live. Let's take a look here. Uh-huh. Star Spangled Banner is acclaimed singer, songwriter, and so bad. Grammy winner from Chicago. Johnny, you heard this Shaka shit? Chicago. Chicago. Oh, can you see? That's not the way that song goes. <laughs> She must have bet the over on herself. God, it's so erratic. on these guys' faces are like, holy shit, is this right. really happening? Oh, it's so good up to this point. The common introduction, this whole like poetic riff. That's the best part of the song. You want to, like, get momentum going here. Right at this moment, Scott Griswold's ears are bleeding. It's like <laughs> snot and vomit, like falling from his nose and mouth. 
kind of envision that's the sound Scott makes after getting the number 10 spicy at the Thai food truck. Oh, no, right. no, well, no you mean the number 16. Let's number reward 16. our listeners. What's that? <gasps> let's reward our listeners. With what? Have you seen the latest breaking news about your, your favorite player, your favorite basketball player, Kyrie Irving? Oh. Ooh, Ooh breaking news. His shoulder's barking. <laughs> and his status for the rest of the season is unclear. So, Ooh. big free Cash agent signing away. for the Nets, Kyrie Irving. Looks like he's going to miss the majority of the season. Well, you knew, we knew that he wasn't going to try for the majority of the season anyways. He's going to only have played about 20 games. That's insane. He's making he that missed money, like though. half the season last year with Celtics. They right, but, on, but who is, for, he's uh, waiting on what's-his-name to get healthy. You're right, exactly. You know, they're out of it this year. Come on. He, so you just, just waste years? Yeah. You waste a year last have year with the Celtics. Now he's going to waste a year with the Nets? Mm-hmm. He deserves a break, Johnny. This kid works hard. Just waste years, you know. Waste them. How can your back? You waste stay, years better than I do. How can you? How can you keep your back healthy if you're always leaning in for your team? <laughs> Unreal, <laughs> Kyrie. And I bet his teammates are like, "Good, fuck out of here." Maybe so. We're better off without you. I don't know. This guy's a piece of shit. Yeah. So there's your there's your good news. There you know, goes. I know that everybody phone, that probably listens to the show hates Kyrie because who doesn't hate Kyrie? So. Uh, yeah, Uncle Drew fans. <laughs> Likes his character. So, what do you Pepsi got about character? the All Star Game, uh, Marty? Ooh, I don't know. I thought this was probably one of the best All Star weekends I've seen. Oh, God, I can't. I can't even like put a finger on it. You really enjoyed the the new format, I, and I think a lot of maybe maybe um, it turned into a little bit of a tribute to Kobe too. There's, a, I mean, there's a lot of factors going into this. I mean, it was, it was still, you know, it's fresh in everybody's mind. We were only three weeks removed from uh, Kobe Bryant passing away. There was, there was tributes all week long, starting, you know, and just having the people together, get getting to well, players to finally get to talk about it. Because right. you know, only the Clippers game was was canceled that day at Staples to the day afterwards. But the NBA just kept going. There was no cancellation for well, this you know, Sunday is the big. Before the, the Celtics Lakers game, yeah, that's yeah. like the big, big one. Right, absolutely. Two, it was two twenty four two. They saved it because that's Gianna's number was two, and then Kobe twenty four. Oh, so I didn't even think about that. that as well. Um, but still, emotional weekend. Uh, it all started, you know, slam dunk contest the night. Dwight Howard, who probably had no business being in the dunk contest, uh, brought out the old Superman, pulled off the Superman uh, logo. It was twenty four underneath, little. Tribute to Kobe. He said he wanted to be in the contest as a tribute to him. Uh, he knew, he even knew that he wasn't going to win that that contest. I mean, those are irrelevant. You had the skills competition, uh, the dunk contest, which dunk contest as well was part. Did of I the see best. a flip cup competition happening? A flip cup competition. There is something stupid that they had to. No, it was tissue. Lo- it was tissue pulling. That's what it was. It was one of those minute to win it things. Oh, win to Where? like to like. Uh, I don't know. I just remember being at work and looking up and seeing the All Star Game on because there's literally nothing else on, and they're having a tissue pulling competition. I like, didn't even see what that part. I have fuck no am I watching? Was yeah. It was well, probably it was probably was, the skills competition right before the celebrity game or the kids game or whatever I, who knows. to decide who got possession first or dunk something. Dunk contest though was awesome. Probably one of the best dunk contests. And this was in in Chicago in '88. It was the last time the All Star Game, which blows my mind that Chicago hasn't hosted another All Star Game since '88, but that goes back to Dominique and Jordan dunk uh, the dunk show off, uh, probably one of the best best ones, and it was great. It went uh, 
two extra dunks after that regular format to, to make the decision. Guys are getting two guys are getting fifties right and uh, left and right. Wait, but didn't Dwayne Wade ruin it? He voted a nine on the guy who jumped, uh, Gordon, who jumped over Taco. Yeah. Well, he should right, have he not been a nine. Well, seven six. And he, he that he allowed he, that like, allowed his Miami Heat guy yep. to win it. Yep. His former teammate from the Heat to win Absolutely. it. Absolutely. But they so both. That, that's both scandalous. Scandalous! It's just Dwayne entertainment. Wade. Holy Dwayne shit! Wade. You got John no, talking that, about an all-star that's game. That's thousands right? of dollars that he cost them right there. That's all right. They're okay. They make they make plenty of money. It's, it's they based do, on but I, they want it. They do it. It's actually one was incentive. the guy who played Black Panther. It's, there's no like flawless way to judge all this. Oh, Scotty Pippen. Wade. Scotty Pippen. Gave I lost a lot of respect too. for Dwayne Wade there. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Get out of here! <laughs> wow. Anyway, the All-Star Game, so they did change the format. Um, where they to make it as confusing as hell? It's really not. I, I thought when I first heard how they were going to do it, I'm like, come on. And then, you know, turn into each quarter, which team wins, Team LeBron, Team, team Giannis, who are the team captains who chose the teams. Uh, after the uh, coaches vote, they, they pull the rest of the team together. But anyway, they're playing for two uh, inner-city kids' charities, so... 100K each each quarter. So basically, format is is like you score points, you reset the points. You're keeping the overall, but they're playing quarter by quarter to win this charity. So whoever, whichever side scores the most points in that quarter wins a hundred thousand uh, dollars to go towards that charity. Keeps uh, it competitive early. It, de- like it, it definitely and it, it made them play hard. I mean, if you get a super huge lead, guys stop to play hard. You know, they're, they're just out there just kind of like loafing around. No defense, obviously, which is Wade's been for the past decade um, as far as the All-Star game. In the first hat, first quarter, it was uh, 83 to 92. That was the score. <laughs> um, and that was uh, Team Giannis taking that one. And then uh, they tied the, tied the second, carried over the third. So basically, the fourth quarter here's where it got a little weird because they're playing 24 in honor, honor of Kobe Bryant. So it was 133 Team Giannis winning over Team LeBron, which was 124. So the magic number is 24 points. So whoever scored 157 first was the winner of the game. It's like backyard seven on seven or, or playing to 11, you know, winner takes all kind of game like backyard school. So these guys really buckled down. Team LeBron tied it back up. And it got chippy there. There's four like replay calls. Uh, Kyle Lowry, uh, the Raptors took, tried to take, got called for two in his favor. Charges. Nobody takes charges in, in an All Star game. Giannis chased down LeBron for this big stuff. Was it a go tinning? Was it a stuff? They went to the review, uh, the replay uh, review, and I mean it was intense. It was like playoff basketball for the last five minutes of the game. Which kind of lackluster ended on Anthony Davis making a free throw to hit 157 and win for Team LeBron. Um, and they won 300K total to Team Giannis 100K for the kids. But all the kids for the inner city groups are there. You can hear them cheering in the background. Like nobody, for, no celebrity on the sideline in the last six minutes was, was sitting down. Like it was intense. Guys were chippy, arguing with the refs. <laughs> like it was like, whoa. And this is weird to see like Ben Simmons like trying to block Embiid because they're teammates. But. The new format, you captains pick you up. You go to that side. It's not East versus West anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and all knows and Tatum all knows ben, Sim- ben Simmons and and Embiid do not get along right now. It's a big question if they're even going to be able to pull this season together because these two guys want to play their own game and not really playing together. They're both adult children. 
Well, pretty much. That's the 76ers. But anyway, I just thought it was awesome. I thought it was a, it was a crazy format. And then when you throw in all the tributes, you got Common doing a tribute to Jordan and Wade and Kobe and, and just, and then you got, you know, still uh, the TNT team with Ernie Johnson and Kenny and, and Charles and Shaq. It was just like the emotion and just Chicago really just was a great city to do that in for this year. And I thought it was pretty awesome. Anyway. Wait, and so who won the three-point shootout? Three-point was uh, Buddy, Buddy Hill. Bucktooth Buddy, right? Bucktooth Buddy. Big time, buddy, and those guys are no joke. These guys are scoring twenty seven, twenty six. I was gonna gamble on that. There, there was because there was a lot of things like you can gamble on whether they hit like the corner ball or the Mountain Dew ball or yeah. the, the the last ball. And... Well, they have their 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 last. You can put your one rack that's where each ball is worth two points anywhere you want throughout the course. A lot of the guys were putting at the end, buddy being one of them, and. and Reggie Miller and some of these, you know, past three-point shooter champions were just like, "Why would you do that? You're, you're fatigued. Save it for your best spot." And maybe the, it, sometimes that is your corner spot. So it's like, do you start out that way till you get your rhythm, or you save it for when you're like on your last leg because it does spend a lot of energy. Yeah. You know, going around and shooting those racks in a certain amount of time. But Buddy Hill saved his for the very last and hit his first. I think there's five to rack. Hit his first three. Missed the fourth, had to hit the very last one, which he did, which was two points taken past Booker um, from Phoenix, who had a hell of a showing in that as well. And he had so he wanted to, he he played hard all weekend long, even the All Star game, because he thought he was it was a last minute sub snub, yeah, for um, oh Jesus Christ, damn, yeah, Dame Dimes, who uh, did a little uh, rap for the All Star break too, actually pretty good. That's what we he's need. With, he's NBA with Little Wayne. We need more NBA players rapping. <laughs> Yeah, we haven't seen much of that in over the years. <laughs> He's actually pretty good. He's not like a Shaq, a, a wannabe. <coughs> he had a little, a little Wayne came out in his honor, wrapped with him. All right. <laughs> Is that going to do us for basketball? Yeah, we can move on. Okay. Probably put everybody asleep right there. Don't give a shit about that game. Real quick before we uh, finish off with hockey, want to talk about the Astros again? Oh. Yeah. They're, uh, they they get to spring break, and the media comes out, man. And you sent me a couple screenshots of some guys. says, Astros cheater. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. On the, on the bottom scroll. It was That was amazing. But you what, could tell it was uh, local news. It was Altuve, like a, yeah. A local exactly. news picked it up. Like the, the first initial press conferences they had, and the first one was Altuve, yeah. and the next one was Bregman. And, you know, the headline on the bottom was... Astros cheater, Jose Altuve. The next one was Astros cheater, Altu- uh, Alex it's, Bregman. So what do you think about their media tour? What do you, what do you think uh, about their apologies? and Lame. Horrible. Lame. Own up to it. I mean, they're going to get drilled this year. The over-under for... Eight? You can bet on the over-under for them to get... The Astros the to get batters. hit this year. Uh, what is it? 83 and a half. Hmm. 83 and a half. That seems low. Hammer the over. <laughs> Well, that's, but they don't play. Uh, the, they don't play the Dodgers this year, which is interesting. But they do play in L.A. Dodger Stadium for the All Star Game. Oh my God! If somebody gets hit at the All Star Game, that well, no, they're just gonna get booed to hell out there. Yeah. That should be a suspension too. You don't get to be an All Star for like five years. Yeah, right. You know, you you wanted to cheat to get the so the next thing is like I'm, I'm drafting guys, and you know, guys like Altuve and Bregman are, are dropping in my drafts. Cheap, yeah. Um, but then what about like a Jordan Alvarez? He wasn't around during all the cheating. He just came up last year. Like, 
No, I mean, but unfortunately, you're kind of tied to that to that franchise. You're not the players who who cheated, but obviously, you got to deal with that, and that's got that's just awful for anybody who, who's coming in with that. But I mean, it's it's a business, and you you can't turn down money. You got to go where your job is, and you you got to show up and play. So, uh, but if you're throwing it, guys, you're gonna have to deal with the you're gonna have to deal with the either Jordan Alvarez coming up the plate with the bases loaded, or guys on the base, or him coming out and pun- punching you. That guy's a fucking monster. <laughs> like, he's the guy that you don't want to mess with. You know, he's like a protector. So you think the Altuves are uh, good fantasy value? I, I, I do, kind of. I do. Yeah, I'm starting to think so, yeah. So I think people people overreact in situations like this. So they go the total other the, the total other way, stay away, and that, prevent, that presents a buying opportunity. You should go, like... Heavy fifty percent Astro players this year, Johnny. My only call, concern. Call your team the fading stars. My only con- I, I like that, but my only concern <laughs> is that they do get hit and get hurt and miss games. That's true. You know what I mean? Because the pitches are going to come up and in by their wrists and their hands and. I just feel like they're going to try to overcompensate and they're swinging at the plate too to, to try to prove that this whole thing didn't work in their favor or whatever the case may be, and it's just going to make it even even harder for them. But they're so talented, man. Yeah. They are so talented. Think about the pitching staff with then Verlander. And then why cheat? If you're that talented, why cheat? I know. You need that edge? I know. You need that edge. It's not even necessary. How about the it. other big news today, or not a couple days ago, when they were talking about to the commissioner whether they should miserably in my take mind. the World Series trophy away from the Astros from 2017. And he called it, oh, it's just a piece of metal. What's that going to do? Well, Lester and a bunch of other players have come out and said, well, then take your fucking name off the trophy then Absolutely. because that's bullshit. If that's just a piece of metal to you, that means that's what we're playing for. Right. That means a hell of a so lot to us. Give up and your you're calling this, the commissioner is calling the trophy like a piece train. of metal? Yeah. Can you imagine Goodell calling the Super Bowl trophy just a piece of metal? No, he's smarter than that. I don't understand this whole thing. And he's not that smart. And <laughs> whole nother topic. But I it just, seems like you have to be an ass clown to be a commissioner of a league. Seriously. Everybody is scared as shit to touch this, even up to the commissioner. Nobody wants to touch this. Opposing teams are had the beauty of like getting to speak freely about how they feel about it. But if you're directly involved and you're the commissioner and you're you're, you know, to the GM of the team like nobody wants to touch this. They're skirting around it still because this is something so fucking unusual and just so intense. This is one. This is probably the biggest cheating scandal besides what eighteen white Sox, eighteen black to- black, black socks. But so here's the other thing though. So all these other players are coming out against the Astros. Like you better be and better know that you and your organization is squeaky motherfucking clean if you're going to be Can't throw speaking all these truths about the Astros because. From what I've heard, it sounded it's like a lot of teams, if you ain't cheating, trying, it's a culture in baseball where everyone's Science trying to steal something. Right, so, like, if you're going to come out and saying all these harsh things, and everyone's saying all these things, and I, I, I love Cody Bellinger, but he's been one of the harshest critics. Like, you know, who's to say the Dodgers? Are, they're one of the more advanced organizations. The Yankees? Carlos Beltran spent five of his last six yeah, years in baseball absolutely. with the Yankees. Right. So the one year, you're going to tell me the one year he was with the Astros was the one and only year he was putting in a cheating scheme, and those other five out of six years with the Yankees, he didn't? Bullshit. I think, it, well, I think that's clearly what's happening here and in, in how it got this far because there is a, a certain undertone of cheating in the league. It's I, I think if this it's been was accepted. Just this grand idea, all of a sudden the Astros are like, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to be the first ones to do it, and we're going to 
you know, win championships off this. I don't think any player would be like, whoa, what's going on here? But I think if you're coming as a player, like, well, we did this over in our organization. Yeah, we tried this over in our organization, so this is no big deal. I just, I just, I think they know it's a big deal, but I just don't think it's in their mind as big a deal as we see it because we haven't been privy to this type of information before. Johnny, you're the commissioner of major, major. Johnny, you're the commissioner of Major League Baseball. How do you? What kind of discipline do you dole out? How do you deal with this situation? Well, it is a tricky call, and I guess I wasn't really prepared for the question. But I think you know if you're gonna suspend the players. You know, fifty games, eighty games for PEDs and drug drug violations and whatnot. I think you at least have to keep up with that. Can you suspend the whole team though? Like, how do you? Yeah, you can. You know why you can? Because you got a minor league. Because you have a huge, you have huge minor league system. You got Triple A, Double A, Single A. You have all these guys that that can come up and fill in in the time being. And here's the thing too: if you're if you're a player who's suspended because you took that chance as well, you might lose your job because it's giving one of those minor league players more opportunity to prove themselves as well. Right. There's a yeah, lot of talent of those, in those leagues. Yeah. That's why it's so competitive to be good because there's next man up is right behind you, ready to come up from Triple I mean, A. Say Kyle Tucker doesn't come steal Brantley's job or something. You know, but it's just like I. So you say give every player on the 2017. Astros team, a fifty-game suspension. Yeah, that's a good place to start. At least players deserve yeah. something, and clearly At money money is too big. Of the season as a so they, you can't find them a big enough dollar amount for it to really affect them. So was it three hundred million that you win extra for getting through the course of playoffs and winning the championship? I think that was one. I don't know what the numbers are, but they all proposed. make insane salaries anyway because it's baseball and it's just the way it is and. You you wouldn't you just can't find them enough to really impact them in any sport. No, no fine is big enough for players or, or teams. They make too much money. And honestly, if there but wasn't keeping, cheating, but keeping players off the field. That's right. Well, that's right. right. That's and honestly, I think if cheating, do. Was, cheating was as big as. I think it's I think it's a big thing across the board because I think there'd be more organizations really coming out hard, like suspend them, give them the trophy back. There's only a couple of organizations just kind of. Throwing in a few bits here and there, and it's more players because right, right everybody's now. guilty. Because everybody knows, so it's just like let's just fuck guys. Let this, let this slide. Let's give them a little bit of what they want and get the fuck out of here and save this league because I think it's been dirty. For I a like long what Chris Sale said yesterday. He said, you know, we, he's like we're not in this game forever, and you know, just like anything else in life, you should leave it. You know, when you're in something and you're out of it, you know, you, you should leave it at least the same or better than the how it was when you found it. And he's like, and that's how it is for me with my kids and, and the and the big, when the game of baseball. He's like, I'd like to leave the game at least the same or better than I found it. And we're not doing that. We're leaving it in a worse position than how we found it. And, you know, that's disrespectful to the game of baseball. You know, we're not helping it and helping the future of the game. And that's so true. Because right true. now they are getting killed nationally. Baseball was already on a downward slope out of the four major sports because of the length of games and how slow they are and how many games they play. And now you throw in a big cheating scandal across the board. I mean, baseball is taking big hits. Yeah. Pardon the pun. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, but no worries. The Red Sox added catcher Jonathan Lucroy. Yeah, great. And Brock Holt's gone now. Brock Holt to the Brewers. Yeah. You know, thank God. You know, there's all these 
little pink hat Red Sox fans are holding on to that. <laughs> He'll be back. He'll sign Brock Holt. Everything will be great. All right. Let's uh, let's pivot over to NHL, and um, you can, can keep this ranting mentality. I want to hear your oh, thoughts on the Bruins. the Bruins and their lack of deadline activity. Hey, I got breaking news. Oh. Bruins among frontrunners for Kreider. Bruins reportedly have emerged as frontrunner for Rangers forward Chris Kreider. Uh, well, they're just going to break your heart again. You thought the same thing about Toffoli. Uh, that's what I'm saying. That was in response to Toffoli <laughs> not coming to the Bruins. And in addition to the other guy they were supposed to get last week, or Sunday, Blake Coleman, who went to Tampa Bay. They paid a fortune for him, but they still went and got him. Like, when you're a team like the Bruins and you have 87 points and... Tampa Bay's got 86 points, and the next closest in the league has, like, 78 points. Like, you've needed a second-line winger for years and years and years and years. It's the yearly problem for the Bruins. Go get it. Do it. Like, stop. Like, you're running out of time with guys like Bergeron, Chara, Marchand, Krejci. You're running out of time with these guys. Like, this, I thought last year might have been the last run. But, no, they came back. They bounced back in a big way this year. And it looks like they're going to put together a nice run again this year. Supplement, add to the team, make it happen. Make like make the push, make do what you need to do, because mm-hmm. the once those guys are gone, those are like, you know, they're not they're not on the level of those Blackhawks or the Penguins teams, but they're right beneath that mm-hmm. with you know generational type players. Help them out. They're gonna be gone, and then who knows what the Bruins have for a long time. How do you feel about uh, goaltending this year? That goaltending has been been great. I like both of them. I think that you know Rask and Halak are, are a great tandem. Until we get to Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Finals and Rask poopy's pants. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on a more hopeful note, um, Jay Baumeister released his first statement uh, since he had a cardiac episode uh, in Anaheim against the Ducks on February 11th. Um, the 36-year-old Bowmeister collapsed on the bench. Uh, I don't know if either of you saw the, the clips of this. It was a scary scene. Um, he Not only did he collapse, but uh, he was effectively dead on the bench. Um, everybody called the trainers over, and the trainers from both staff um, were working on him in the tunnel. Um, the defibrillator was out. They had to literally resuscitate him. Weird. Um, but just... Just a really scary scene. Uh, they immediately canceled the game, which is actually going to have some long-standing implications. It's going to be really interesting to see how they work out the logistics around um, getting these two teams to play uh, each other again. Um, you think they'll have to if it means anything as far as record? Um, yeah, the the Blues will definitely need the results for mm, seeding. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yes, they will. I mean, it won't mean shit for Anaheim. Okay. Uh, perhaps they can do something like they do in uh, basketball where they'll um, push it to the end of the season, mm-hmm. and then if it doesn't mean anything, maybe they'll just, well, they'll just skip saying. it. Maybe push it all the way to the end, and they have to, they have to. I don't know. It's, it's a little bit unprecedented. The only time this happened before was the um, – uh, was it Peverly? Peverly, right? Uh, he played for the Stars? Rich you know, Peverly, you know yeah. <laughs> Chimed in, guys. All right, I'm going to start watching college basketball again. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice job, Marty. 
Um, <laughs> but he released a statement. He said, I would sincerely like to thank all of the trainers from both the St. Louis Blues and Anaheim Ducks, as well as all of the first responders, the Anaheim medical staff, and the team at the UCI Medical Center for their quick actions on February 11th. Our family has felt the support of the entire National Hockey League family and the city of St. Louis during this time. We have all been greatly comforted by your genuine concern. On Sunday evening, I return to St. Louis, and I am on the road to recovery. My wife and daughters are forever grateful for everyone's support, and we will continue to have a positive outlook for our future. Uh, he had surgery, and they put in a, a mini defibrillator uh, because they they uh, had noticed an irregularity in his heart, which is what led to this thing to begin with. That's crazy. You got the care you needed for a hospital that specialized in just UTIs. <laughs> it it was said? UCI. Oh, UCI. Okay. Jesus just didn't Christ. know. Okay. <laughs> it's like, there's, a, there's just a whole hospital for UTIs? UNITI. Oh, my okay. God. All right. But, I mean, they say the, the best possible place you can have cardiac arrest is on the bench of a hockey game. With a UTI. With a UTI. Because <laughs> everybody is just, like, ready to go. Um, what, a, what a scary thing, though. And it kind of, you know, it's one of those things that uh, makes you really think, you know, you never know when your time is coming because this guy had all of the top, um, you know, medical screening and doctors looking at him nearly every day, uh, and he's still almost, you know, and and is a professional athlete in an incredible shape, you know. I'm sure there's not many people with stronger cardiovascular systems than hockey players. Yeah, exactly. um, but been who played 25, 30 minutes a night. Yeah, exactly. Water polo. Exactly. Um, so to think that a guy in his shape uh, at his relatively young age um, – you know, with being monitored as closely as he was to have uh, to nearly lose his life just out of nowhere. Um, it's it's kind of sobering uh, to think that. Yeah, some of these guys, too, they don't know a lot of their family history. You know, there can be history like heart murmurs or things, things that kind of get overlooked here and there. They're irregular, like intermittent, intermittent not consistent. I don't know. It's just crazy. But yeah, you're right. Reggie Lewis. I know if, if any one of us tried to go out there and do what they do, we'd have a heart attack right away. Remember Reggie that's Lewis? A story. Right? Yeah. Reggie absolutely. Lewis, somebody fell on the basketball court, and yeah. everyone was like, oh, what was wrong? And then he gets back up, and you know, and then a couple days later, he was he he dies. Like it was just so weird. Right. I mean, there's just yeah, what's the say? I mean, we're all still just human, so anything can happen. I yeah. mean, just. Every day we're taking chances in our own way, but it's just it's it's hard like it's hard to believe what these guys have to go through the physicals and and how they prepare themselves, and even for them like we can sit here and look at them like ah oh, it can happen to any one of us, but like for those guys they're they're on top of the world and seem invincible and like they're just they're they're at the peak of, of, of their shape and, and their performance and, and, and the, their talent and their ability so that's got to be just that's got to play in your head for a while. Mm-hmm. One last note um, on this. The St. Louis Blues, their next game was in Las Vegas, and the Golden Knights actually uh, hired a bunch of uh, psychologists to be available for the Blues players when they got into town just to help them deal with the situation. So I thought that was also a really nice gesture on the part of the Golden Knights you know, to, to do that. Hockey's a big family, and, and I thought that was really nice to see. That brings up two, Johnny. You remember Hank Gathers? Yeah. Guy from Loyola? Yeah. Loyola Marymount. Another situation. That's a college kid right there. Same kind of situation. 
Okay, the IOC and the IIHF uh, met with the NHL to discuss issues and compromise for the 2022 Olympics that are going to be held in Beijing. We kind of knew that they were always going to skip Korea. There's money to be made in China. There was really nothing to be gained, especially after the uh, IOC and IIHF um, had previously... Uh, dropped some of the support they used to give, including insurance costs, travel costs, uh, and the ability for the NHL to use Olympic jerseys or Olympic logos, promote on their own platforms, that kind of stuff. So it looks like the IOC is willing to, to come to the table, especially after they've seen what a horrible turnout you know, and ratings wise, and what a horrible product <laughs> that they had. Uh, Johnny went and walked his duck. <laughs> in the last. <laughs> for those of you wondering why I can't get through my <laughs> sentence, uh, John just sprung up at like, like, like his pants were on fire because they were, ran over into the kitchen and let one go. I don't know if he's respecting the show or respecting <laughs> us. Maybe a little bit of both. I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> but thanks for putting me on blast, yeah. Well, you were Just putting like, everyone on blast in the kitchen. I went and tucked it away. <laughs> you have to tuck it away to fart? Uh, anyways, <laughs> point being, this is going to be a huge uh, etiquette. huge step towards getting a watchable product again. Um, so they're switching cities. No, they're not switching cities. I'm the, a little confused. There's, the, a lot of, there's a lot of abbreviations in there. The Korean Olympics already happened. So, yeah. Marty, this is basically the breakdown. <laughs> well, speak to me. like If I'm a listener here and I don't follow hockey as right. well, I'm listening. I just want to know exactly in clear-cut, dumb Texan retard terms <laughs> what this means. Okay, so here's the thing. The IOC is the Commission for Olympics. Uh, the committee... And the International Hockey Federation have owned everything regarding the Olympics, right? And they're not giving the NHL any pieces of the pie. Okay. Um, they're not paying for travel costs. They're not helping with insurance costs. They're not allowing the NHL to um, promote the Olympics on their own platforms. So... Really, they're just asking for the NHL to lend them the best players in the world, and they're not giving anything back. Okay. So, Gary Bettman, the commissioner of the NHL, said, we're not going to Korea. And they announced that after the Olympics in Russia. And we, we had talked about it, Johnny, and we had kind of agreed they didn't want to go to Korea anyways. And this was just kind of a big power play to get uh, concessions for China, where they do want to go, where they are starting to grow the game. There are a couple KHL uh, teams in, in China. That's the Russian League, uh, Marty. And yeah. so, yeah, it's a, it's a good market to try and grow your game. Uh, I just want to see Sidney Crosby in one more Olympics. I want to see what kind of awesome-ass team the Americans can have with guys like Austin Matthews and Jack Eichel, uh, you know, Austin at the Matthews helm there. Too. Yeah, but remember I told you you're going to have to learn to, to love Austin Matthews because he's going to win us gold it's medals. It's never going to happen, though. It's going to happen. It's happening, John. It's happening. Right now, it's happening. There's that stuff. He's getting worked out. It's happening. 
Those are nice pink headphones. All right, speaking of worked up, Johnny, it's fucking bullshit. Chara got a $5,000 fine for cross-checking somebody in the fucking throat. Chara got a a what fine? Was it $5,000? Yeah. $5,000 for... What is $5,000 to Zidane Chara? Cross-checking somebody in the throat. That's me like losing a 20 tonight. Not even. (laughs) Not even. (laughs) What's do you have? Is there? Do you have any ability to uh, defend that, or does it just throw your hands up? Yeah, throw my hands up. He should have gotten at least a game. I mean, I just think the fact that he hasn't been fined or suspended in God knows how long, at least since he was been a Bruin. Maybe Manfred was the acting commissioner for for hockey. (laughs) Maybe. So I just think that it's been said before that. Past incidents and reputation is a determining factor in these things. So, boom, there's your answer. Right, Johnny, I get that. But you got to think about Andrew Cogliano, uh, who was suspended two games, um, ending the fourth longest Ironman streak in NHL history at 830 for a questionable hit. So... So you're calling for consistency. I'm calling for consistency. You know, I mean, I, you know, this guy, another guy that didn't have a history. Zidane Chara is one of the most... Who the fuck is Andrew Cogliano? Zidane Chara is a Hall of Fame hockey player, one of the most respected men in the game. Like, you know this. Whether you like him or hate him, you know this. It's just it's Zidane Chara. I don't know what to tell you, man. It's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny says he's not a goon. You want consistency? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But is but is this something new? Is this, I mean, no, is it's 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 far okay. from it's okay. far from new. Right. And you know, if you want consistency, and they're taking intangible things like a guy's reputation into um, like Marshan's got to walk a very fine line. Yeah, because if the, he does anything, he's now, fucking like, licking people. Because if he does anything, like he's gonna get whacked. Right. So Dan O'Chara. He's the opposite. Yeah. He can whack somebody in the throat and he it's okay. He can murder someone and, you know, <laughs> he's got the, pay $10. He's, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that'll probably do it uh, for us this week. What do you think, Johnny? Any more breaking news? Just We got Two? Saturday night. Who Take do it. I got between Wilder and Fury? Yes. Oh. Answer the question. Uh, Answer the question. I actually watched the whole HBO build up of this. I might get this fight i might pay for it how much is the cost of the fight don't know yet uh it's you have to get espn plus first and then you have to buy the pay-per-view and i believe those have been uh like yeah 65 bucks right okay something like that i might do it all right i'll I'll, listen to you guys are a little hesitant here i'm gonna go first i'm gonna go deontay deontay wilder are you yeah what round and how I think it goes. It's going to be a decision either way. I a decision. I don't think. I don't think. I think these guys are not going to let this be a decision this time. No, I think it'll be a knockout. It's going to be a knockout. Uh, I'll go Deontay Wilder in round seven, because that's how many times a day Tyson Fury masturbates. (laughs) Seven times a day. All right, I got Tyson Fury in a decision. You got Tyson Fury in a decision. If you Mm -hmm. think that, then you should place a bet because I think that. That would be, pay out a lot. That'd be big money. That'd be yeah. a big money right, bet right there. Uh, I'm going to go Wilder in 10. Also, you, 
Or you think you knock out in the tenth? Knock out in the tenth. Knock out in seven. Marty knock out in ten. And Nesto. I mean, if you guys watched the first fight, which I, I watched on replay the other night, and that was probably like a Rocky type bounce up that Fury had with Wilder in the first fight. I think it was the ninth or tenth. Where he got cold cut, knocked out. The ref even mentioned because he couldn't see by by Fury's frame. He thought he was snoring and gone. And when he leaned over and pretty much at the four count, five K. He said he said five, and you can see it on the replay on the video. Watching this, his eyes just opened right up, and at eight he just pops up. <laughs> and it was probably one of the and, and other boxers who commented on this during this whole documentary says probably one of the most dramatic, craziest moments in boxing history, how this guy got back on his feet. So I think that's why it's going to go long. But I think he's going to connect again in the 10th, but he's going to make sure he goes down for good this time. But Fury is a beast. This guy's overcome uh, suicide, depression. Uh, he's a fighter now. and But I, I think uh, talent and skill level, Wilder is just a little bit above him. Interesting story. So I was listening to an interview with Tyson Fury the other day, and they were asking him, you know, of the hard, who's the hardest hitters of the heavyweights, and is Deontay Wilder throw the, hit the hardest of all the heavyweights? And he says it's all the same. When you're in the ring, you don't even feel it because your adrenaline is up so, so high. high that you, you really don't surprise. even feel those hits. He said Guys you feel them a couple days later, right. but in the moment, you don't right. really feel the hits. And I mean, you go you go out, you go out, you don't feel it. You're knocked the fuck out. Deontay I mean, Wilder hit me. I don't care where it, where it happened. I'm feeling it. Your battles will fall out of your I'm bubble. feeling it. Yeah. <laughs> then and there. <laughs> I mean, just try to imagine taking a, a punch from like somebody like Tyson. No. Back in, back in his no. Nope. 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 You know, and that's kind of that's kind of the thing because I, uh, Wilder has knocked people out, um, KO'd people by body shots. I think he's I think he's a powerful, powerful puncher. Yeah. Everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, and on that note, uh, thank you for listening to us again this week. For fifty episodes. Yeah, congratulations yeah. again, guys. I hope we got another fifty more left in us at least, and oh. Oh, Hark. that sound. It's a classic moment right there. Did that is a classic GMSR moment. Just the Good for us. Backup light. There it is. Little hey, nostalgia. he's just trying to get home too. All right, so if you want to get after Johnny, you can do that on Twitter at GreenMTGrinder. Uh, you can get after me at GreenMTSports. Uh, Marty's on Instagram at GreenMTSports. And you can find us on Facebook at GreenMTSports as well. 50 downloads. I get a tattoo. Yeah, he's gonna get a GMSR right on his ween ween. Yeah, it'd be like G half a S. <laughs> G half a M. Excuse me. See, I can't even spell, and I'm flaccid. Just get a G and an S, and then you gotta grow it. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. On that note, have a good week. <laughs> have a good couple weeks. We'll see you in a while. <laughs>